Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi everyone, I'm John Shea of the San Francisco Chronicle and welcome to the Giant Splash Podcast. Our guest is Johnny Dosko, the wonderful longtime broadcaster for the Giants' top farm team, the Sacramento Rivercats. We'll speak with Johnny about Mike Yastrzemski, Tyler Rogers, Mauricio Dubong, and others who played in games Johnny called and are now helping the Giants in the playoff race. We'll also talk about Johnny's fascinating new book, Good night, M. Baseball in life through haiku. Well, Johnny, welcome to the podcast. And how are you doing during the pandemic? And how are you handling life without baseball? Yeah, thanks, John. Great to be on with you. Um, it's it is it certainly is is different. Uh, it's you know, I haven't had a, a summer not calling baseball since since 1992. So it's been a long time. And it is it is strange that the daily the daily routine of going to the ballpark and of course when you're on the road get maybe a little workout in get lunch and then going to the ballpark and that that daily routine is is something that is uh, that I cherish you know to not have that this year it's, it's odd so I'm hoping for a a little bit of a, a more normal 2021 although I don't know if we'll completely be back to normal at that point I doubt we will but. Sure, it'll be nice to get back to that to that routine, home and road. But it, it has been strange for sure. Yeah, unfortunately, there are no minor leagues this year, just major league games. And Sacramento is the Giants' alternate site, right in your backyard. But it's not like fans can attend. What are you missing most these days about uh, not being able to call the play-by-play of the the Rivercats in Sacramento? Yeah, you know, you know what it is, John. It's it's actually. It's the dailiness of it. I miss the the daily the daily routine. I, I miss that. I miss going into the manager's office, and talking to him, going to talk to Damon Miner and Steve hmm. Klein, all the coaches, and then talking to the players about the previous game. And I miss that that daily routine. Even the, you know, even in a strange way, you miss. And it's going to sound weird. You miss the early wakeups. Uh, you, you know, you have the minor leagues. Of course, is so different than the big leagues, and that you have those early Pacific Coast League wake-ups of 4 a.m. before you go to Mexico City. And I, in a strange way, I, it sounds odd, but I, I missed that kind of. I, I never thought I would, but I, I missed that. And, you know, you're so tired for the game, but you get through the game, and then you sleep in, you're ready for, for the second game of the series. But, yeah, all, all the all the routines of, of just being around the baseball talk on a daily basis are the things that I that I miss the most. You know, while you're talking, I was thinking, boy, Steve Klein, what, wouldn't he be a great color guy? Uh, with you, but then I realized the FCC would never allow that, right? <laughs> no, no chance. No chance would the FCC allow that, but he would be entertaining. You need to get him on uh, do baseball on serious radio where he can say anything. That's yes. what you oh, need. yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, I asked you to join us for a variety of reasons, and 
Obviously, you've been calling the River Cats games forever and broadcast games of several current Giants, a team that is actually in a in a playoff race, believe it. Yeah. And a lot of your old guys are making it happen. I mean, Mike Yastrzemski, uh, Donovan Solano, uh, Mauricio Dupon, Tyler Rogers, uh, and of course, Austin Slater, a few more. And, and by the way, you knew Yastrzemski was going to be an MVP candidate when the Giants pulled him out of Nowheresville in the, original, uh, the Baltimore Orioles organization and had him play some games in Sacramento, right? I actually did. I called yeah. it. From the, 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 uh, I, you know, honestly, I, I did think he would be a decent player, but I just did not think he would be doing what I have to admit. I did not think uh, Mike was going to do what he's doing. I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I love it. And he's turning into one of the better players in the National League, and I, I love it. Because a guy that never got a shot with the Orioles and always mm-hmm. deserved a shot, and just to see, it couldn't happen to a better human being, too. So it's really, really cool. Yeah, and cool to see he and Sam Selman, who are former roommates. They played together at Vandy. Cool to see those oh, yeah. guys on the, on the same club. And uh, and Sam Selman, a late, late bloomer, too. He got there late. So really cool for both those guys. To, uh, to to get there and, and succeed, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, boy, there's nothing Yastrzemski can't do. Um, uh, and, and Solano, by the way, you you knew he was going to be a 400 hitter, right? Another <laughs> <laughs> one. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. You got to give Farhan credit. You just have to. I mean, he's just what putting all these little parts together and and uh, with no real superstars and and it's just the team is thriving. It's pretty cool to see. And they're you know 500 team right now. I don't think anybody. Anybody saw that coming? And Donovan Solano uh, has been has been special. You know, yeah, I thought he was, you know, kind of up and down guy last year and throughout his career, and he's just dominating right now. And I, I didn't see it coming, but I'm happy to see it. Uh, a uh, so-called platoon player who emerged as an everyday player and three hitter on a contender. But that's uh, right. Yeah, well, well, we'll touch on some other players as well. But I also wanted to discuss your new book, which I love, and it's called. Good night, M. Baseball and life through haiku. And first of all, Johnny, congratulations on the project. Uh, it's a it's a collection of haikus about baseball, about life, and plenty of lessons within, which I appreciate and I recommend it highly because it's so fun and plenty of Giants references in there as well, current and past. Um, wh- what was the inspiration? Yeah, thanks, John. It, it was uh, you know I. I, on the, the quarantine, I had some time, and I'd always written. Uh, my brother got me into the haiku when I when I was younger, and even during my times in the in the traveling in the Pacific Coast League, I would write haikus on the on the Southwest magazine, but I'd never keep them. I'd just throw them out. I'd have them and write them on different pages, and I'd, I'd kind of uh, and my say that was a pretty good one, and then, but, I, but I would never keep them. I always throw throw it out, and I'm like I thought to myself, why did I why did I do that? I had some really good ones. Uh, but then I, I just, when I was on this quarantine, I started writing a few, and then uh, 10 turned into 20, and then I got into got to 100, and then after a while, I was like, I got three weeks in, I was like, I'm going to put together a book. So I, I didn't even plan on writing, I was just writing them, I didn't plan on writing a book until I got about 125, 130, 150 in, right around there, and I, I just said, you know what, I'm going to put a book together, and and uh, it was, so it happened really organically, and uh, I, I started writing a you know, a lot of them were mostly just life haikus. And my wife said, you know what? You're in baseball. You should focus on more baseball haikus. I mean, you can write some life ones too, but why not? You're in baseball. Why not, 
write haikus that mean a lot to you in, in this game. And, and uh, she was absolutely right. So it turns out about 75% to 80% are, are baseball-oriented. And uh, I'm glad. I mean, she's always she's the smart one of the couple for sure. And, and glad, glad, glad I did that. And it turned out great. It was, it was, a, it was a really, really fun fun project and 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 you know i uh, at some point maybe i write another one it was really fun to put together yeah and southwest uh, airlines the magazine the wise guys always <laughs> fill out the crossword puzzles before i see them but but i haven't come across <laughs> where i could that would be entertaining as well but well, yeah. could you explain what haiku is i know it is po- poetry and in the er- english version it's what 17 syllables three lines five Syllables, first line, seven syllables, second line, and five syllables, third line. But I imagine it's deeper than that. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's five, seven, five, and it, it, it's it originated in Japan. And they're just, I, I like because I like the fact that you try to tell a story within 17 syllables, and I like the challenge of that. And it's, um, I don't know, I just, I, I've always loved the simplicity of a haiku, yet I love the depth of it. I love the fact that you, uh, can tell a story with with and just and be so economical with your words and economical with your syllables and it just uh, they're great and I you know it's funny I had a kind of a a panic moment although you know there are some haikus they say uh, written where you don't have to go the traditional five seven five hmm. I like to go the five seven five but as I was getting toward editing the book I woke up in a panic at about two thirty a.m. and Apparently, the the Travis Ishikawa haiku had six syllables. It was forever in Giants lore, so that was five, seven, six. And I said, "Oh my goodness!" So I went back and I realized that there were haikus that I missed the syllable count on. So I had to redo. I, I'm glad I checked it because I literally woke up thinking about that haiku. I don't know what woke me up, but I I, I changed it to etched in Giants lore, so it was five syllables, not seven or five and not six. But yeah, it's just, um, it, they really are, are fun to put together. They're fun to write. I recommend anybody just go outside with your, with your coffee in the morning and, uh, start writing them. They're, they're, they're just fun, fun to write. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Ishikawa, that, that one is, it goes like this. One swing changed his life. Travis T. Ishikawa etched in Giants lore. That's right. Yeah, man. That's that's uh, and and there's you know a couple of hundred of these. And if anybody is a Giants fan or a baseball fan or uh, you know appreciates life lessons or history, you know there's there's plenty plenty here. Um, why the title? Why good night M? Well, uh, you know again. Again, I have to give my wife credit for the book title because uh, we were thinking about, I go, what, what, what should the title be? And, and she said, I have it. And she said, good night, M. And good night, M. I, I have, uh, since 2000, she was born December 25th, 2005. And then beginning in the 2006 season, at the end of every broadcast, uh, I would say good night, M. I'd say good night to her just to honor her. Uh, so uh, every every nightly broadcast, not during the day, but every nightly broadcast, uh, I'd say the final score. Uh, then the last thing I say is "Good night, M." So it was, and that was something that I just started doing in '06, and I still do it now, even though she's she's not really listening to my games. Uh, I still <laughs> I, I still I still say "Good night" to her every every time, and uh, it's that's. 
you know, it's funny because in 2011, that Billy Crystal movie came out. And he said goodnight to his daughter. And I'm like, hey, I, I start. Don't forget, I started in 06. Wow. He took it, Billy Crystal took it from me. I didn't. But no, they, they, they said that. But I've been doing it uh, since 2006. And I'm going to continue to do it uh, forever. Yeah, fantastic so. stuff. It seems every answer you're giving me here is uh, you're involving your wife. Uh, how come she wasn't the co-author here? You know, she she deserves a lot of credit. She yeah. should, actually should be, but yeah, should be Deb Dosko and, and Deb Dosko for sure. Yeah. So well, she, she, are are, are there a couple of faves that you might share? You know, yeah, I like the uh, I like the Tyler Rogers IQ, uh-huh. the Tyler Rogers IQ, yeah. uh, because it really it, it really um, touched me. Just the fact that you know, I talked with Dave Brundage about it. Uh, just the fact that he. He has always told me, I interviewed him a bunch of times in all his years in Sacramento, and he always told me his first call was going to be to his brother. You know, mm. his brother, you know, Tyler had deserved it, I think, a couple of years and finally got that call. And I asked Dave Brundage about the story because he was right there, uh, you know, talking about it. And he said that Tyler, his, uh, Tyler tried to call his brother. He called his brother, but he couldn't get the words out. He just couldn't talk because oh he was so over, overwhelmed with emotion. And, uh, you know, as Dave Brundage is telling me this story uh, in, the, in, the, in his office, I, I just started weeping. I mean, it was just such a moving story because I knew how much it meant not only to Tyler but to Taylor and for him to try to, try to get the words out and he couldn't utter a single word. And my last line is he didn't have to. Right, because mm-hmm. because Taylor knew so that that moved me just because you know the great thing about AAA is when these guys get called up and D- Dave Brundage or whoever the manager is has a has a way to kind of mess with them a little bit, but it's always so emotional for the player the first time they get called up, and it, it just that never that part never gets old. Obviously, you know when a manager has to release a player, it's awful. But the other end, when a player gets called up and his dreams, another another IQ I like is uh, phoned his parents river of tears when a guy got called up. Uh, you know that that I like that haiku too because that kind of describes, you know, how, how those guys feel when they when they get when they get the call. And it's just I don't know, I've seen it so many times. I've been in AAA a long time, and that never the stories never get old as far as a player getting getting the worry that he's going to the big leagues. Well, can you read the Tyler Rogers haiku? Yeah, no question. Here it is called Rogers to the Show is the name of the haiku. And it goes, Tyler called his twin, could not utter single word. He didn't have to. So that's the that's the Tyler Rogers haiku. Yeah, you know, that's um, the beginning of his career. One that touched me was about Chris Spire, the beginning of his career. Oh, and yeah. It, it made me 12 again. And because uh, that's how old I was when he debuted. But his is uh, turned around, saw Mays, looked to left, saw McCovey, shook his head in awe. Oh, yeah. And I said, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it chills. It, it does. It just because I remember him telling me that story. He was the manager in High Desert in 97 when I uh, when I was broadcasting there. And, and we would uh, we would work out together. And he would always joke because he did like 20 pull-ups. And he goes, did you do your pull-up? Because I could just do one. You do your pull-up yet? Huh. But he was he, he was such a, he was a workout guy. But, but he... He was so, uh, when he told that story, you could tell he was still uh, in awe of the story and in awe just the fact that he had Mays and McCovey on the same field with him and couldn't believe he's 20 years old hmm. or 21 years old. I had, uh, just can't believe I'm in the big leagues right now with those two legends I'm playing with. It just, 
really cool. I, I never forgot that when he told me that back 23 years ago, whatever it is. Yeah. But uh, pretty cool. We'll be back with Johnny Dosco right after this quick break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Speaking of Mays, uh, The Living Legend, it's called. Yeah. Players Blown Away. Maze accessibility, pick brain of two four. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, you know, you talk, you talk to players, and players are constantly amazed. And I would say I probably there have been at least twenty five to thirty players. I could, don't even know. I've lost count of players that have told me they have had conversations with Willie Mays when they've been in the Giants clubhouse and how. They're blown away. They're actually talking to Maze, and Maze is talking to them and giving them advice and it, it, giving them advice. And it just uh, it, players never uh, they talk about it a lot, and they're they're amazed at his accessibility. Amazed that he's in the clubhouse, just sitting there in the clubhouse. They can just talk to him anytime they want spring training. And, and so, so players really are in awe of that. And I wanted to capture that in the haiku, just the fact that these guys have an opportunity to talk to a living legend. And, and they, they take advantage of it, and he's not shy in talking to the players. Which I, it, He's not shy about telling them about what he experienced in his illustrious career. I think it's just really cool to, see, to hear about players getting the opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine you got close to Stephen Vogt. Yeah, very much. Yeah, so sure did. The, the, the Stephen Vogt's Road uh, haiku is, and, and th- this hits because I, I imagine he's going to get a lot of offers the day he retires as a player to manage. And mm-hmm. it's a backup single A, two-time major league all-star, big league manager. So you, you yeah. that, that's official. Uh, <laughs> it's official. He's a big league manager. He will be. I agree with you. He's going to get a lot of offers. I mean, yeah. he just has, has such a feel for people and a feel for the game. And, and I, think he, I think he will be great at managing a bullpen. I think he'll have all the attributes. I think he'll be, because he, he's been through everything as a player. Mm-hmm. He's been on the edge of oblivion as far as his career, where he thought he was, he was done. You know, you back up single A, how long am I going to do this? Broken the big leagues, uh, you know, a little later than most people do, and was counted out every time and found a way. To, you know, he went to Azusa Pacific just on, yeah. a, on that, was, that was luck too. I mean, he, the, guy, the guy who... Who scouted him had 275 or 280 um, tapes of of guys hitting. They picked Stephen Vogt of all the people. Like he just every his whole career was like fate, and and he just uh, a lot of these guys. I mean, to get there, but he's he's a special special guy because he was on the edge of oblivion with his career, and he found a way to not get through that backing up at single A and working his way up and then getting the busy starting off over whatever it was 32 with Tampa Bay. And then got another shot with the A's, and the rest is history. He's going to be a really solid big league manager, I feel. Just a great communicator. Uh, yes, he is. Well, Indeed. it's a tremendous read. Is there another one or two that you really like? Let's see. It's called Elevator. Standing with strangers, feel elevator tension, eyes darting, no words. 
And you know that every time you get on a stranger, you get on an elevator with strangers, you you feel that. I also have another one next to that called Wear It. It's called Wear It, and it's three a, three a.m. wake up, early coasting travel day, and the third line is solve it, play better. You hear that all the time with guys, like when they complain about uh, AAA travel, you hear another guy say to them, "Hey, play better. You don't have to worry about it, right?" Ah, no so, excuses. So, yeah, no excuses. Just play better. So. Yeah, that there. I just, I, you know what? It's and looking back at the book, it's uh, it was a lot of fun to put together, and uh, I just uh, hope people enjoy it. Hope people enjoy it as much as uh, I love putting it together. Well, where can folks uh, pick it up? John, they can go to johnnydosco.com. So Johnny Dosco, last name is D O S K O W. Johnnydosco.com, and uh, go to Venmo. PayPal, whatever you want to do, and we'll uh, we'll say I got my first order from Germany the other day, actually. Yeah. The guy, yeah, a guy was uh, he's a diehard Rivercat listener. He he yeah. came over to Germany several years ago, and he listened to all the games, and he saw on Twitter uh, I wrote a book, so he actually he said you guys because of PayPal's rules or something, I couldn't ship it to Germany, so I'm shipping it to his friend in Wisconsin. The guy's going to get it to him in uh, in Germany. That was the first. That was the first uh, Rivercat listener from Germany. Pretty cool. Yeah, wonderful stuff. So, so Johnny, uh, you grew up as a spoiled kid, <clears throat> spoiled kid in L.A., and I know this because you grew up listening to Vince Gully and Chick Hearn, <laughs> Vinny, yes. Vinny on the Dodgers and Chick on the Lakers. Yes. Um, and you probably thought yeah. just every area had their own Vinny and Chick, which they didn't. But what was your, uh, what was their influence on you in your broadcast career? Oh man, you're right. Spoiled listening to those guys for <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I, I uh, you know, Chick Hearn uh was perhaps even more of an influence than Vince Scully was. I mean, Chick Hearn with the Lakers, I'd go to bed every night listening to to Chick Hearn. Um it just amazing just having him call call the games, uh put him in a popcorn machine, uh yo yoing up and down with this ninety four by fifty hunk of wood, all his expressions, the eggs are cool and the butter's getting hard, all that uh, he's a thing incredible. It, 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 his famous line was the Lakers couldn't beat the sisters of mercy right now. And sister Josephine's out with a bad ankle, like all the, all his lines. He just was so great. Mm-hmm. And so quick. Uh, I, I loved, uh, I love listening to chick. And of course, Vinny is Vinny, you know, he's, uh, he was amazing. So I was very lucky to listen to those guys. And I would, uh, I mean, they're my two influences. They're the reason I got into doing what I'm doing. And I just feel so fortunate to have listened to that. And Bob Miller with the Kings was awesome too. So I had all, all three of those guys, but, um, I wanted to honor Chick and Vinny and uh, with with a uh, with a haiku. I think Vin, Vin's in a couple of them. I think, mm-hmm. but yeah, but yeah, th- those were my two influences, and those were guys that I just uh, enjoyed. I mean, you're, I was raised in the raised with those guys. Listen to those guys, raised with Chick and Vinny. So uh, I, I was really really lucky in that regard for sure. Well, you've been uh, you know in the business broadcasting ball for what three decades. Uh, Cedar Rapids uh, came to California, High Desert. Fresno Grizzlies, and then you've been in Sacramento since '01, I believe, and that's back then it was the Oakland A's. And I think it was 2014, and became the Giants. So you're kind of historian on Bay Area baseball, and and the River Cats. I mean, with the attendance and the wins and losses and the championships, that's kind of a marquee minor league affiliate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, we, we we're so fortunate. Um, the Rivercats had that incredible run, and the A's were so. I mean, A's gave us 
so much talent, and it was just there was a situation. I think we at one point won ten out of twelve division titles, or nine out of eleven, or something. It was just something crazy, and and all those you know uh, four PCL championships with the A's, five, five total now with the Giants coming in um, in winning the championship last year in two thousand nineteen. Uh, first team to win three AAA championships when the, when the Pacific Coast League championships and the three PCL and uh, three uh you know triple A championships but yeah just fortunate I mean so many great players through the years came through the A's uh came up with us through to the A's and we were just very very lucky it, it was uh it was it, it, it was an incredible run and now I think the Giants you know after you know Giants went from 1998 to what was it last year not making the playoffs in AAA, right? So it had been 21 years. So as a Giants AAA affiliate, so so for them to uh, do what they did last year in Sacramento and win it all was was well, it was pretty neat to see that after after they had struggled so much in Fresno. I mean, let's be honest, the Rivercats would dominate Fresno yeah. when the when the Rivercats were the A's and the Giants were in were in Fresno, and it was. It was domination for years, but now it's evening out a little bit more, and I think the Giants are putting a little bit more stock in winning at AAA, which is nice. Well, they handed out some AAA rings the other day in the nice. Giants clubhouse because so many of those guys were a part of that team. Did you get a ring, man? I did, John. <laughs> I did. I got a ring. I got a ring. So that was my fifth ring. Oh, my. With the Rivercats and my seventh ring in minor league baseball because I had 94 Cedar Rapids, 97 High Desert. Yeah. Then you go 03, 04, 07, 08, and then 2019 with, uh, with the Rivercats. So, yeah, five Rivercat rings. Amazing. Amazing. Well, who from the current Giants were there for the championships? Uh, I mean, a lot of guys were called up already, and they still won it. I mean, is there anybody on this roster who was there at the very end of the AAA season last year? You know what? I'm trying to think. I don't think Sammy Selman was. Hmm. I think Selman was already... Because Rogers was with, up, Dubon was up, yeah, uh, Jazz was up. Yeah, um, I think they all were. I'm trying to think. Like, I don't think there was anybody. No, no, that's amazing. No, what, hey, what, what about you? Got to know Dubon. What What about his confidence level? I, I've never seen a kid come up like knowing he's going to succeed as much as this guy. A lot of guys come up and say, "I hope I do well." I, you know, I want to do well. But this guy. I know I'm going to do well. I want to win a gold glove in center field. I, dude, you haven't ever played the position. Yeah, I'm, I have that much confidence in me. He does. He carries himself that way, too. It's it's remarkable. The guy is so confident. And, and every, you know, we, we saw him. The first, first game I saw him play was with San Antonio. And I, I, I heard about this guy. And the very next day, he was traded, so he just changed clubhouses. He went from San Antonio clubhouse to Sacramento clubhouse, so we got to see him as a Rivercat. After that, first time seeing him play, next day he's with the Rivercats. It was bizarre, so he just changed clubhouses, much like Ricardo Rincon did uh, with the A's. Yeah. And just it, it, so he, it, so he was with uh, with us, and he was he was great, you know. And and you know, I think uh, you know he's one of those guys. That he's going to succeed, and he's going to. I mean, he went to Capital Christian out here in Sacramento. Mm -hmm after being from Honduras, and uh, he's just a treat to watch no matter where he plays. Put him a second base, short, third, center field. Um, you know, he made, and he made some base running blunders with us, I think, at the end of the year and made some mistakes, but, but learned from it. Like, one thing I will say, like, 
he learned from him, right? Like I, I he, he Brendan's would bring him in the office, and as Brendan said, you know, you, you talk to the guy, he's not going to make the same mistake the second. You know, he's going to learn from it. He's not going to make it the, the same mistake twice. And he was, uh, yeah, he's he's a tremendous player. And I think it's just just once he gets a feel for the system up there, once he gets a couple years in and really comfortable, I think he's going to put together some some impressive impressive numbers but he was a confident kid that's for sure how about uh alex dickerson he 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 was in sacramento for a spell after the giants got him from the padres and then he came up uh in june and i was with the team in arizona and he went like nine for eight <laughs> smoked the ball exactly. and his his first quote in the clubhouse after the game he said he said that that felt good i was due i said i said what do you mean you were due nobody says that in first first game with with a new team, I mean you're you must have been hitting down there, you know, and, and you can't say I was due, but but he's such a character and a personality, and it all makes sense now looking back when he said I was due. Yeah, that that's game, even it was his first game with the team. Yeah, yeah, he's something, man. Like he, uh, you know, I was always impressed with him watching him in El Paso, watching him, you know, with the Padres AAA club, and I was like, this guy can hit. He came to us. I think the reason he said that he struggled a little bit with us for a while there. I mean, you know, he's, hmm. he, he got to the big leagues and he, you know, he just started to dominate, you know, and he, but I, I think the reason he said he was due is because he went through a little bit of a scuffle just for a few games. He was with the, with the river cats and then got up there and had that huge game right when he got called up. I don't know if it was the first game up there or one of those, but he, and he just, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to see because he had not done a lot with the river cats when he got, when he got called up, they wanted his bat up there and obviously they know what they're doing because he, he has been successful. He's a, and he tell you what, he, he puts together some impressive games, that three homer game. And he, he's going to, he's got some pop. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Now this I know why he was doing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one more guy, Austin Slater seemed like he was in triple a forever. And it's kind of a feel good story. Stanford kid, and despite a couple of injuries that set him back this year, he's hitting the ball a ton. Um, the coaching staff really relies on him. Did you anticipate him being a really good big leaguer? You know, uh, it, it went up and down with me. Like I thought, I always knew the talent was there, and I always. And the reason I say that is because he used the he used he always used the entire field, and he showed that pop to right center. He never really went on any big slumps. You never saw him going like a a two for 26 or anything. He just didn't see it. He just never did. He's consistent, solid player, good athlete, smart kid. I mean, just smart. Uh, you know, he, he plays it off like he's not, but he's this very intelligent kid, uh, kid. He's now 28 years old yeah. coming up, but he's, but he's a really intelligent man. And he's, and uh, I, so yes and no. I mean, I, I, I knew he would have success. I just, I think I think he's he's going to have a nice nice career, and he's getting a lot of confidence. You know, one thing yeah. he said, Hunter Pence helped him out a lot when he first went up there with his confidence, and so I think he's going to he's going to do some damage, and he's fun to watch. And he you know he's he um I love the fact that he he can just take that pitch the other way, that that power to right center, and he's a he's obviously a great clubhouse guy too, and everybody loves him. But, and a, a player rep too. I love to see that. Right. He's the player rep. I think that's really yeah. cool. So, yeah, he's uh, he, uh, he's. I had great conversations with him, not only about baseball but about life and politics. And he's really well rounded and fun to talk to. Yeah, there was a time the Giants wanted him to hit for a lot more power, but he 
brings to the table so much more than than just that. Um, yeah, so the book, Good Night M, yep. Fall in Life Through Haiku. And, you know, I, w- I was speaking about lessons. Uh, it's some of some of the poetry, including, you know, why veterans pick up the spreads when they come down to the miners. Right. You know, why scouts are heart and soul of organizations. Uh, the behind the scenes of game day employees, what they mean, the sounds of the game, uh, and what yeah. players can't be thin skinned in the clubhouse, and yes, just some great stuff, man. So again, congrats. man, appreciate it, brother. It was, it was, it, yeah. The, the little insights, the thing about uh, all those little things in baseball that maybe the the, the fan doesn't know about are in there, and uh, you know the the things that as a reporter you know about. The, the little superstitions in the clubhouse and uh, it's there's so much to baseball and um it's uh, some of it's in there and i think i think people like it and i really appreciate you uh talking to me about it thanks for listening to the giant splash podcast henry showman and i will continue to deliver podcasts through the final weeks of the 2020 season